Warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Watch me shove this beer can up my ass. I'm proud to declare the Adam Sank Show and his ass open to the wind. Ass open to the wind. This is fuckery. <laughs> this is all fuckery. Fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... Give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sank. Bottom. <laughs> Yes, happy Pride, bitches! And Steele is singing Love Can Take Us There, and that's because it is New York City Pride. It is also Pride today and this weekend in San Francisco, Denver, Nashville, the Twin Cities, and so many other places around the world. Wherever you are, I hope you are celebrating. I hope you are happy, healthy, free, and getting lots of ass. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We're not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, June 25th in the year 2022 at dnrstudios.com and the DNRcast app, the only place you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen anywhere else, leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or whichever audio platform you use. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Get your official ass merchandise at adamsank.com. You know, we have um, T-shirts and tank tops and mugs that say celebrate pride. So this would be the perfect time to order yours. Call the ass hotline anytime, even when we're not on the air. Leave us a voicemail. The number for that is 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. Get vaccinated and boosted and stand with Ukraine. Today's guest is a, a returning favorite to the ass. I always love having him here. He is Michael Musto, legendary journalist, who has just written an article for The Village Voice entitled The Horrors of Being the Soundbite King. Michael has appeared in more documentaries than perhaps any living human being. <laughs> um, he's actually going to possibly go for the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, for that. So we're going to talk to him about why he winds up in so many documentaries and what it's like for him. But first, it's time for me to introduce uh, everyone's favorite chubby chorizo, formerly America's favorite cum slut, <laughs> Steve Cesaro. Hello, everybody. Hello, Steve. You've given up that former title. I am silently still America's favorite cum dump, but I'm officially America's favorite chubby chorizo. You know, I have to say, you have decided to quiz me and challenge me in new ways Last week it was COVID. This week it was potentially shitting your pants and leaving me all by myself. <laughs> no, two weeks ago it was COVID. Two weeks ago Last it was COVID. week That's it was me week. shitting my pants during the Rick Chrome interview. <laughs> I have never come so close to shitting my pants anywhere in any situation. You know, I do have to say, because I have my commute into the city now and I always have my the iced coffee. coffee. Yes. If I mess up the timing, I am running to get to the office. So like, you can shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's awful. It's, you know what? For those of you that take fiber, some psyllium husk. <laughs> that psyllium husk. Well, that's the thing. I took yeah. psyllium husk and coffee this morning. <laughs> but usually I have so much control that, like, I can wait 10 minutes. I couldn't wait. In any case, um, thank you for taking over for me last week during the interview. You did a lovely job. Thank you. Also with us is our producer, the queen of fuckery, J.B. Bursey. Happy Pride, J.B. Happy Pride, ladies and gents. Um, I want to uh, ask you both, I think I know J.B.'s answer, what are your pl plans for Pride weekend? <laughs> Since we're recording this the week before, oh. what will you be doing next weekend? Should I, I go first? So. My mother is coming to town for the first time since Pride 2018. Is this a good thing? Well, we're, since we don't live in the city anymore, she's not doing any of the Pride activities. But I am taking her to Alex Gornicelli's Butter Restaurant uh, on Thursday. And then it's we're, like butter. It's like butter. And then we're going to go see POTUS. Oh, I um, hear that's great. It's awesome. So it'll that be my second a, time seeing it. a Broadway musical that was nominated no. for some Broadway Tonys. Play. Broadway play with yep. music, though, with music. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go see that, and then we're going to lounge by the pool for the rest of the weekend. My little brother's coming up, um, which I'm surprised he's missing Pride because he's a big party boy. Um, but uh, that's what we're doing. My, You're my, not going to any of the big parties? No, because my mom's in town, and I have, you know, it's hard to get my mom to come to the city. She's not a good traveler at all. Um, 
Well, that'll be so nice. I begged her to come. If, if my mother came to town on Pride, I would leave town. <laughs> <laughs> but I will see my mother uh, on Monday for we, – we do a joint celebration of her birthday and Father's Day. And normally we would be doing that on Sunday, but my, one of my sisters can't do it, so we're doing it Monday. But that's – Tomorrow, tomorrow, not next week. Tomorrow, I hope. It's confusing uh, since we're time shifting. Right. I hope you uh, you are coming down from all the drogas that you decided to do the night before at Pride, so that you seem serviceable to. No, you. I'm saying it's never mind. Oh, it, they're it. happening two different weekends, oh, okay, so it'll okay, be fine. Okay. Now, JB, I know you don't like the crowds, you don't like the noise. So, how will you be celebrating New York City Pride? I'm going to try to suck some dick and be like, yay! I, I don't know. Congratulations! You know, I hope you get that dick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I wanted to do something fun, I guess, but mm-hmm. especially with that dick pic that you what, showed. What about earlier. the march, so, JB? So it's outdoors. You can, you know. I, okay, so if I wake up for it, sure, I'll go to the march. I want my march, especially if it's a nice day. I could use the walk. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always try to make it to the march. I do. Um, I am going to the meet party on Friday night in Brooklyn. Uh, This is a huge uh, dance event that they have once a month that's known to be a little bit dirty. I fully expect to get monkeypox while there because Uh, monkeypox is spreading among gay men in New York City and you get it from close contact and I will probably have some close contact at that party. So ladies and gentlemen, the second episode of Chatting with Chubby Chorizo will be... Oh wait, no, I'm gone. Next week, uh, someone will be doing this podcast. It won't be me or Steve. No, God forbid. I hope I don't get monkeypox, but um, you never know. Uh, But that's the only event I'm doing other than the march. Now, I may wind up at the Eagle on Sunday afternoon after the march. Who knows? But... um, I do love Pride in New York City. There's just an energy. There's so many gays out and about. It's really fun. And the weather's almost always perfect, so hopefully it will be. Um, what else? All right. I guess we – oh, I know. Very important. <clears throat> if you're listening to this episode after June 30th, 2022, it is time again to nominate the Adam Sank Show for a podcast award. And I have some breaking news about this. <gasps> Hit the fanfare, JB, because I can't find I, it. I don't have it. I have it. Where the fuck is it on this thing? <laughs> Donkey, trombone, horse name, cookie monster, bottom. We have everything but the fanfare here. But you just played it when we were I know. Things. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> Here's the big news. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> this year, for the first time ever, we are competing in the comedy category. Yay! I'm saying this with peace and love. But I am tired of competing with Derek and Romaine <laughs> and the other DNR studio shows in the LGBTQ category. And these can talk. We never fucking win. And they say the definition of crazy is trying the same thing over and over again and <laughs> expecting a different result. So once again, we are in the comedy category for the first time. And if we don't beat those other fucking shows in that category, which are not the least bit funny – I am never going to compete again. So to all the people who left reviews, say this is the funniest podcast yes. in the world. Be about it, bitches. And also, I'm really glad for you taking my advice and doing the comedy thing. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You're welcome. So go to this. Go to listen, everyone. Go to podcastawards.com right now. If it's after, after June, June 30th. 30th, register as a nominator. It's free. They won't spam you. It is nominate free. Adam Sank Show, not the Adam Sank Show. I listed us alphabetically first this year, Adam Sank <laughs> Show, in the comedy category. Um, and then you'll receive instructions about how to vote and uh, vote. And that's it. I want to win this this fucking year. Thank you. Please, Listen. thank you. Right. Uh, if, if Again, once you guys nominate us and we win this category, you will get Steve whole picks with yes. the vibrator inside of it. Oh, yes, we, is we, that we, true? We're going to do it big okay. this year. I don't care. I'm whoring you out to win this comedy. <laughs> to, win this, to win this award, god damn it. I don't know that I want to see a vibrator let's, in Steve's let's, ass. Let's do this. Maybe we can do listener... The first... I don't know how we're going to track it, but <laughs> listener requests within reason. If it's like a, a video, something where I'm not going to get arrested, I am an immigrant. Please don't get me arrested. 
Um, I feel like as we're saying this, Lane is, you know, texting you. Yeah, stop this now. This is not going to happen. Lane, we're fucking around. We're not going to share the Pride episode with Lane, so we'll be fine. So, listeners, whatever <laughs> whatever you want, within reason, as long as I don't get arrested, let us know that you've done it. And, right. I will, and we I haven't will gotten a review person. in over two weeks, so um, time to get on the stick. Um, and by the <laughs> stick, I mean Steve's hole. All right, we're going to start this week with a story that we wanted to do last week. But we ran out of time. And that is about the chupacabras that was spotted in Texas. Now, Steve, you're a Mexican. Is it chupacabra or chupacabras? Chupacabra. Oh, singular. Uh One goat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The city of Amarillo... Amarillo. Amarillo said it has not yet received any solid leads that can help identify the mysterious creature caught on camera at the Amarillo Zoo. (laughs) Around 1.25 a.m. on May 21st, Security cameras inside a perimeter fence captured an image of the creature that might have been a large coyote standing on its hind legs, uh, or it might have been a chupacabra. It honestly looks like a Muppet to me. Yes! Oh, my God. Like, uh, I, it's like one of those bad Muppets that, that on the naughty Disney channel that, that does, does strange things for, for, for cash, for cocaine, you know, that kind of Muppet. I feel like you're on cocaine. You're very excited about because this. Because it looks really <laughs> hilarious. Uh, it's like uh, it looks like a man in a suit just chilling. Like I'm looking for cocaine, y'all. Wait, here it is. <laughs> some people think some people think it's a person with a strange hat on, taking a walk at night. Um, others think it looks like Rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Other guesses online include Navajo Skinwalker, Sonic the Hedgehog, mm. Swiper from Dora the Explorer, Swiper, okay, no swiping, Teen Wolf. <laughs> And the fox from the What Does the Fox Say music video. (laughs) So if you Google Amarillo Chupacabra, you can see a picture of this. But they are really stumped as to uh, what the fuck this was. And it's really, really creepy looking. (laughs) You guys, it's worth the Google. You'll have a time time and a half. Please enjoy it. Thank you so much. Brought to you by the Adam Sanctuary. As a Chupacabra expert, (laughs) what does it look like to you? Sonic the Hedgehog. I think it looks like Sonic. Now explain what the, what a chupacabra is. It's just a myth, a, uh, like a Mexican sort of dark at night, things that you don't see. Like your parents tell you not to go out because the chupacabra will come and get you. So it's just something to keep kids from. And it's called that because it sucks the blood of goats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so Chupa means suck. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Something Steve knows a lot about. So uh, how do you say I suck a lot of pee? Here's what's funny about my Spanish is it's what I speak to my mom and my family, and I don't talk about penis to my mom and my family. So, <laughs> so whenever I okay. sleep with a, like a Hispanic guy that's mostly in Spanish, I'm actually kind of lost as to what to say. You're not in good Spanish. at the Spanish dirty talk. No, because I only do it. Is this me? This is, this is me. <laughs> I, that's I don't, a chupacabra. Yeah. So you're more of a chupapinga. I'm a more chupa, la chupapinga. La chupapinga. Um, so. The actual story we're starting this week is about zodiac signs, and I want to ask you guys if either of you believes in astrology or follows it. I don't, but what I have noticed with my puppy Nella, the chocolate lab, is that she goes nuts every time there's a full moon. So I do know, I do think that's real, but I don't believe it. I'm just kind of like, eh, what does that have to do with the zodiac? The zodiac is about like what's up in the stars and the sky and how they're all aligned and what that means. No, that's astrology. Like... Zodiac is more about your signs and yeah. base. They base. Okay, it's not actual science, but they base. They call it personality traits. Right? Isn't sign. that based on like where where like everything was aligned in your birth and you're Sagittarius with whatever moon. Yes, but not, not that in depth. It more goes. Let's, let's say this. Astrology is an actual science involving the stars and the planets and, uh, and uh, sorry, astronomy is that astrology is a pseudoscience based on astronomy. Yes. I I think is an accurate way of saying it. But in any case, uh, JB, do you believe in it? Do you give any credence when someone says I'm a Libra versus I'm a Taurus? I I don't know. I don't care. But according to people that I've run to in my past, I'm a typical Capricorn. And I don't understand what that means, but fuck it. Okay. (laughs) Like, I don't get it. I think it's – I've always thought it was horseshit, right? I I just think it's absolute horseshit and a waste of time. However, I came across this article, and don't ask me how – on Best Life magazine, uh, and Very this was ri- written by a renowned astrologer named Lauren Ash, and the article is what your zodiac sign says about how you are in bed. Mm. 
And I read this very skeptically, and I read the description of Pisces, which is me, and I was like, this is fucking accurate. And last night I read Patrick's to him, he's a um, Aries, and he was like, that's exactly me. So I thought I would ask both of you, well, I know that JB's a Capricorn, so let's start with that. Okay. This describes how you are in bad Capricorn. Capricorn is the mature, authoritative daddy of the Zodiac, a control freak in both the streets and the sheets. Capricorns are looking for a partner who enjoys being taken care of. While some may find your traditional ways of courting a bit too stuffy, there's an old-school charm and ease about how you woo the object of your romantic affection. As an earth sign, Capricorn is very sensual, grounded, and physical when it comes to making love. You don't... Okay, this is just wrong. You don't like to take the submissive role, preferring to set the scene and call the shots. And while some people find your bossy attitude annoying in other situations... There's something seriously sexy about your ability to take charge in the bedroom. I don't think this is correct. No, it's like it's like I'm the complete opposite because I'm a boss bitch in regular life, and I just want my nigga to say, "Shut the fuck up and suck the dick." I'm like, "Yes, daddy." Like treat me like a dub slut while we're fucking. <laughs> like it also is. I think it is depend on the mood too. Like, like perfect example. While I was dating my boyfriend at the time, and we would have sex. I was like, I would tell him what to do one time. And then I would expect him to do it all the time. Uh, yeah, so so it would, it would be this one-time So you're a bossy bottom. I am a bossy bottom, yes. Yes, I am. You, you top from the bottom. <laughs> all right, um, Steve, what is your sign? I am a Sagittarius. All right, let's find you. With my moon rising in the east. Everything in a Sagittarius's life is about adventure, and sex is no exception. You're one of the most spirited signs in the Zodiac, so sex with you is anything but dull. As a fire sign, you crave passion and a desire for physical closeness with others, and you're not afraid of a casual fling or a one-night stand. (laughs) More like a one-hour stand, am I right? (laughs) In the bedroom, you're fun-loving and thrill-seeking. You're not afraid to try anything new and experiment with positions. And as the sign known for being the most straightforward, you also tend to be open about expressing your sexual needs to a partner. Okay, so... I just a song came in my head while he was reading that. Uh, the Rihanna song "Sex with Me." Oh, I don't know it. Uh, she goes like, "Sex with me is so amazing. It's dope. I think you would enjoy." I that. don't know it either. But anyway, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, that's about a hundred percent right. I mean, as long as there's no poop or blood, I'm good. We can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and uh, do you express your needs? Do you say like I want you to do this? I want you to do that. I have been told that I'm incredibly straightforward. Yeah, um, especially when it comes to like hooking up. But I think that's part that because like Lane and I are open. Like if I want sex, like I'm not entertaining a conversation because we're friends. I'm entertaining a conversation because I want to have sex. Like, and I'll just say, okay, we're gonna go back now, right? And that's it. And that's that's it. I'm just like down to business. Yeah. Well, here's mine. Pisces. And as I said, this is, except for maybe the first two lines of this, it's all 100% true. Regarding intimacy, sex is an emotional affair for sensitive water sign Pisces. You are forever seeking a fairy tale romance, and as such, you tend to wear your heart on your sleeve. Fortunately, your mutable nature makes it easier for you to enjoy a casual fling without getting your feelings involved. This is where it starts to be me. (laughs) You also have a secret wild side thanks to your ruling planet Neptune the planet of dreams and illusions. When it comes to affairs of the heart, you love an all-consuming sexual experience that helps you escape from reality. Yes. And speaking of escaping from reality, you're the sign most known for your love of role play and acting out secret fantasies. That is very true. Really? I didn't know you like role play. I love, I love the whole daddy boy thing. Oh, I was going to say, what's your like... Love. Wow. And what role are you, daddy? I can be either... But uh, if I'm going to bottom, I definitely want to be the boy. And if I'm going to top, I want to be the daddy. What's the role play that we would, the listeners and, and I and us would be shocked to hear, aside from daddy and boy that you love? Oh, God, I don't know. It'd be like a sexy firefighter coming to I mean, the day. any kind of degrade, degrading talk oh, is yeah. very hot to me. Have you ever done daddy bottom? Because I've done that. I think it's kind of fun. I have with younger guys who have a like younger guys who are tops but want to be my son, basically, (laughs) which is kind of a strange thing. But I'll play along with it if that's what they're into. There's one guy in particular that was very into like fucking his dad, and I was the dad. Weird. Yeah, I mean, I've actually ran into something like that too. 
I mean, he had good dick. We we fucked twice. Mine did, that was this it. guy did too. Yeah. Yeah. There was one guy I hooked up with once, and he had said, um, "Where the role play was, where both brothers and dad can't find out." Yeah, I've done that too. And but he was so into it, it's like, "Don't tell dad. Shh, we got to be quiet. Dad's gonna hear." Yeah, I mean, all that sort of taboo family stuff yeah. is hot. Um, power, any kind of power position is hot. Hey, ladies, you've got to stop growling. At Actually, that is my fancy. Please be my CEO. I'll be your humble assistant. Uh, there you go. <laughs> okay, moving on. Look at you get a little flushed talking about it. This is a very stupid story. This is a very stupid story that really is several weeks old, and I keep ignoring it, but it keeps popping up on my Facebook feed, so we're going to do it. Perfect. Burger King Austria. <laughs> Apparently, Burger King has its own advertising unit in Austria. And by the way, we have many listeners in Austria, so guts and tag. They've, they're now apologizing for a Pride Whopper campaign that they uh, launched on social media that showed two lady. It showed two matching buns. In other words, some of the pictures showed two top buns together, and or others two showed bottom two buns. bottom buns okay. together, in what was seen as a misinformed nod to sex within the LGBTQ <laughs> community. I've seen that actually. I thought that was oh, weird. Yeah. yeah, they 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 uh, at first it was advertised as miss as mismatch patties. They go together, and I thought that was weird. But Within yeah. days of the ad going live, people around the globe took to social media to comment on the campaign, citing Burger King's failure to understand how gay sex works, as well as critiquing corporate rainbow washing during Pride Month. Burger King is not the only fast food com- or the only food company under fire for its Pride Month marketing. Postmates drew criticism when it introduced its bottom-friendly menu, (laughs) featuring menu items suggested for taking the bottom position during gay sex. (laughs) Bottom. Uh, So anyway, Burger King is now apologizing. Jung von von Maddono, the German agency that worked on the campaign for Burger King Austria, wrote in a LinkedIn post that it didn't check well enough with community members on different interpretations of the Pride Whopper. Quote, the intended message of the Pride Whopper was to spread equal love and equal rights. Uh, Our strongest concern is if we offended members of the LGBTQ community with this campaign. If this is the case, we apologize. Um, In 2019, a UK supermarket chain called Marks & Spencer received backlash for its LGBT sandwich, which was a lettuce, guacamole, bacon, and tomato sandwich. That sounds delicious, Yeah. except for the bacon, in rainbow packaging, which was launched during Pride Month. Honestly, I mean, I don't think anyone was truly offended by the two tops and two bottoms thing. I think it's (laughs) hilarious and silly, but I think, you know, the, the the rainbow washing thing is real because a lot yeah. of companies nowadays are all about the rainbow and about saying pride, 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 but they're not really doing anything yeah. to, to support us. Yes. I totally would agree. Like League of Legends, calling you out. See? You yeah. know, I do – it sort of says where part of me is like, God, it's just so sensitive because I think it's hysterical. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is real and the best <laughs> thing ever. Like imagine you're just like a – you know, you're, you're having a great day and you look you're like, oh, my God, there's two tops having a sandwich. It's so great. <laughs> right. I think it's great. Good on you, Bert. Such silliness. Well, we talked last week about Rebel Wilson coming out right. and about how she was allegedly outed and it's so unfair to out celebrities. And, and you know, my position is that – Coming out really shouldn't be such a big fucking deal for yeah. celebrities anymore. So we have two stories about this this week. One is about an actor named Kit Connor who starred in the um, hit Netflix series Heartbreaker. Do either of you guys watch that? No, I haven't no. seen it. When Drew Lauscher was on the show, he um, recommended it, and I wound up watching it. It's delightful. It, it's a British series about um, – Gay teenage boys who fall in love with each other at a boarding, or not a boarding school, oh, right. prep school. Yep. There's a lot of there are a lot of queer characters. There's a trans character of color. It's a very woke show, but also very sweet and charming. And Kit Connor plays like the jockey, straight presenting guy in it. And many people have made assumptions about him and his co-stars' sexual orientation. And during a cod, uh, during a podcast, he made it clear that he doesn't plan to come out anytime soon. He said, quote, for me, I just feel like I'm perfectly confident and comfortable with my sexuality. I don't feel like I need to label myself, especially not publicly. Um, 
apparently people had been tweeting about his being gay and not coming out, and he wrote that tweet was sort of slightly calling them out. Oh, wait, what did he tweet? Yes. <laughs> hate when I miss something. How old is he? They're both young. He's only 18, and, and the co-star, I think, is like 19. They were like teenagers like yeah. when they made the series, obviously, like young teenagers. Um, he says, um, I don't know, some tweet, I found it a little bit funny how they just make assumptions. It's 2022. It feels a bit strange to make assumptions about a person's sexuality just based on hearing their voice or seeing their appearance. We're still so young, and to start sort of speculating about our sexualities, maybe pressuring us to come out when we're not ready. I take this to mean he's gay. Yeah. And he just doesn't want to say it yet, which, again, yeah. is his right. It's a little weird because when you're young and you're in TV, like, I don't think you fully know the responsibilities or the role that you take on as this public person, or if you don't know, like, the TV show or whatever, the movie's going to take off. So I understand it, but I also feel there's another understanding of people are going to know shit so just let it out and 18 is young 18 I mean, is very honestly young. i'm not i'm not going to fault any 18 yeah. year old for not coming yeah. out no i would agree um but this next guy we're going to talk about is 27 and that's lucas gage lucas gage is sort of uh blowing up at the moment he was in euphoria he played the guy that has oh, sex yeah. in the pool yep. with uh maddie on the first episode and winds up getting like pummeled by the hot guy and then winds up going to prison and he's he's popping up on a lot of things he was also in white lotus he winds up getting his ass eaten by murray bartlett on that show and so uh and also he's in the new queer as folk so people on twitter were criticizing the fact that he keeps getting cast in these gay roles when he himself isn't lgbtq and he clapped back on twitter and said you don't know my alphabet Oh. So the person who had originally tweeted the complaint about a straight actor playing gay roles replied to that and said, then please enlighten the whole world. To which the actor simply replied, no. Right. So Lucas Gage is another one who's saying, I'm not commenting on my sexuality. It's none of your business. Don't make assumptions. Now, I will say, I saw Lucas Gage on... Um, Watch what happens live. With I thought you'd say Cohen. like one of the apps. Like oh. I saw Lucas Gage on Grinder, <laughs> and he wound up fucking. Me. No, I wish. No, I saw him on Watch What Happens with Andy Cohen. I really wasn't aware of who he was before yeah. that, and you know he was commenting on all the Housewives shows as people do on that show, and he was so into the Housewives, he knew every nuance, every detail of what was going on. I can't remember if it was New York or Beverly Hills. But oh, one so she's a fag. And I was like, <laughs> not only is he a fag, but like very charming. I kind of fell in love with him oh. watching that interview. So I'm pretty sure he's not straight. Not that you can't be a straight guy who loves the Real Housewives, but... Okay, just, but if you are a straight guy playing these gay roles, then I have to call you out because when we're in 2022, you should give the roles to New Blood, who's who is this? Who is part of the community? But here's the here's the dilemma. Let's say you're Lucas Cage or you're this other kid from Heartbreaker, and you are gay. Yes, but you don't want to come out. Mm -hmm. Then there's all these people calling you out on social media saying you shouldn't be playing this role. You're straight, and so your choice is to either come out. Maybe when you don't want to or you're not ready or stay silent and ambiguous like these guys are. But then that's, that's one of the responsibilities of being a public figure is being the star. You, you have a responsibility to the community, to who you're portraying. But when they're 18, though, is sort of the yes. thing. Like, I, that's where I'm like, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving the child alone. I'm talking, yeah. about, I'm talking about this 27-year-old Oh, the 27-year-old. Yes. Right, right. I'm talking about this 27-year-old. The, child, the child's a child. Leave him alone. It's fine. This man, this grown-ass man, you have responsibility. Like, you, you know you... Uh, what well, when you see your mm -hmm. people on the screen? I forgot what's the word. Representation. Yeah. Representation is a thing, is a thing that is needed in 2022 because we need to be visual and you see things. You saying, "Oh, I'm playing these gay roles, but I'm not coming out as gay." What are you doing? Give it to a gay man. Let them represent the community. I think I agree. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tricky subject. I also think it's fine for straight people to play queer roles. As long as yeah. I, I don't, I'm at the point where I do think you should be trans to play a trans role. Yeah. Yes. Because there's just so few trans actors. 
um, who get those opportunities and because I think it's a very specific thing that you're playing that has to be handled with sensitivity and authenticity. But if a gay guy wants to play uh, – if a straight guy wants to play a gay guy in 2022, I don't have a problem with it as long as he's not a homophobe. Yeah. There's plenty of gay actors working nowadays. Um, but yeah, I, I – everyone just fucking come out. He does look like Ellen DeGeneres in this photo. I know. He doesn't he, – he, he's not classically hot, but no. when you see him interviewed, I guarantee you, you will fall in love with him. I found him very sexy in this interview. Fascinating. He's so funny and smart. Anyway, I tweeted back to him. Did he tweet back? No. Oh. But I said, it's perfectly okay for you to come out or not come out whenever you want. That said, is it okay if I want you to be gay? <laughs> yeah. He did not respond. Aww. I'm awaiting his response. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hit it. There you go. All right, we're going to skip this Ezra Miller story because it's long and complicated and disturbing. But if you want to read a disturbing story about someone who was going to be a huge star and is now just destroying his own career, uh, Google Ezra Miller. Okay, enough said about that. Um, so a very scary thing happened a couple weeks ago in Idaho. A group of 31 men affiliated with the um, Patriot Front group, this is a n white nationalist far-right group, were arrested um, in a U-Haul truck on their way to allegedly disrupt a gay pride parade. Wow. Um, they were wearing – what is a balaclava? I don't know. Anyone know? They were wearing balaclavas and masks and carrying materials suggesting that they intended to start a riot. And luckily they were stopped. They were arrested before they ever made it to this pride event. But now the mother of one of the men – oh, I see. That's um, that mask like that goes over mask. your face and only shows your eyes. So basically you can the robber mask. do criminal shit yeah. and, and not be identified. So the mother of one of these Patriot Front members who was arrested says that she, when she found out, she kicked her son out of the house. Good, Good for her. her. Uh, they live in Utah. The guy's name is Jared Michael Boyce. He's 27 years old, which leads me to say, if your child is 27 and still living at home, it's time to kick him out regardless. <laughs> yeah. Forget about the fact that he's a, uh, a, a white nationalist. Um, the mother is a licensed clinical social worker. This is so interesting to me. Yeah. She says that her son has struggled to fill a void in his life ever since his dad left the family years ago and came out as gay. <sighs> so his dad comes out as gay and leaves the family, and he responds by becoming an anti-gay, racist, white nationalist Nazi. That's some weak people shit. I like, was just going to say, like, hold, 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 hold on. No, there are tons of us without fathers out there who don't need to fill a fucking hole. I mean, yes, I need yes, to fill a hole inside of me. However... <laughs> I don't fill it with racism or murdering people. Come yeah. on. There's better ways to do things, people. On being released from custody, Boyce's mom gave him an ultimatum. She said, leave this group or pack your bags. Her son said he couldn't leave the group, which is when she told him to get the fuck out of the house. Uh, according to an incident report filed by the Kirtaline police, uh, officers believed it is likely that these individuals were there to incite physical confrontation and caused <clears throat> disorder. The men came from 11 different states. Um, this 27-year-old said to his mother, don't believe the media. We were just there because they're grooming kids. See, this is where all the talk about mm -hmm. grooming mm -hmm. is, is leading to actual violence against our community. Yeah. Yep. And the story reminds me, I follow this porn star called Deep Filler NYC. He fucks thick bitches. Anyway, he lives in, he lives in the city. Uh, he's walking his dog at 4 a.m. And this U-Haul truck is driving around the community at four o'clock in the morning doing sketchy shit. Like you're not supposed to, like he lives in a neighborhood where you can't like move in at four o'clock in the morning. Right. Like when he posted that story, I got so scared. I was like, who, who is riding around at four o'clock in the morning trying to kidnap and or beat up people? Don't you have sleep? Don't you have lives? Like, come on. There's other ways to allow your aggression. Yeah. No, this, these are scary times in America, and what these Republicans need to understand is that their rhetoric has consequences. It leads to actual violence. Um, finally, before we go to our guest, I just want to do this last story that uh, two Irish men are attempting to travel from New York City to a village in Ireland in a rowboat. 
Fergus Farrell and Damien Brown are part of the Project Empower 2022, and they're hoping to achieve a world record. Um, people have rowed across the Atlantic before, but they've never rowed both ways. And so uh, if the bid is successful, if they make it there, then Damien, Damien Brown will become one of the few individuals to have rowed the Atlantic both ways. He previously had, had crossed from San Sebastian to Antigua in 2018. This guy, uh, Fergus Farrell, was once given a 5% chance of ever walking again after suffering a traumatic spinal injury. He regained his ability to walk, and now they're trying to uh, row across the Atlantic in a very cool boat that is specially outfitted. It's got electricity. It's got um, the ability to store food for 60 days. It's got a little tracking device. And, um, oh, Michael, do you not like the dog? Is that what's happening? And the chair. <laughs> Well, let's let's try to get rid of the dog. Let's put her out and let's fix. Give Michael a new chair. Um, so yeah, I wish them luck. And if you want to track their progress across the Atlantic, there's a website you can go to, which I don't have in front of me. But if you just look up Project Empower 2022, you can find it. Lady, go with Steve. Go with Steve. Come here. Go. Hold on. JB, say something to the listeners. Okay. Hi, listeners. So, you know, you can go follow these people if you Google it uh, to to do this Atlantic thing, which I think is kind of weird and a little scary. But, you know, they have this specialized boat, which I guess they make specialized boats for this, to hold food and, I guess, to sleep on the water. This oh, yeah. They're going to sleep in shifts. Yeah, that's that's insane to me. But says, more power to you. Good luck. We at I support you and wish you favors. All right. With that, our guest today is a returning champion to the ass. He's a renowned journalist who does not like dogs, a gossip columnist and media celebrity. <laughs> he recently wrote an article for The Village Voice entitled The Horrors of Being the Soundbite King. Please give a warm-ass welcome to Michael Musto. Or Cruella DeVille, as they call me. No, I'm I like sorry, cute Michael. dogs. I really like adorable dogs, not dogs that are snarling at me. And I, I don't like pussy either. But um, <laughs> And then really I had a problem with the chair. I'm turning into Lauren Bacall with all these demands. <laughs> I but it was like a jazzy this. chair. It had no back. And I need a firm back. I'm 96 years old. I'm sorry, Michael. I'm, I'm sorry she was snarling at you. That's not normal. Lauren Bacall? Yeah, and Lee. Oh, the dog. The Both dog. of them. Well, she sensed that something was amiss. Well, thank you for coming and dressing up. You're actually wearing a tie. This is for something later. Thank you. <laughs> you can pretend that it's for us. Usually our listeners come wearing uh, next to nothing. Um, Michael, have you ever counted the number of documentaries in which you've actually appeared? No, but somebody on Facebook actually said, I'm going to submit you to the Guinness Book of World, World Records because you've been in more documentaries. Like I've been in documentaries about Staten Island without ever going there. It's absurd. <laughs> I'm the go-to Buddha, the Oracle, because I was everywhere. I've seen everything. I was reasonably sober, and I remember everything. But when if, I went on IMDb, which is not always you know accurate as we know, but they say you've been in 123 movies as yourself. So I assume most of those are documentaries. Yeah, Do you think it's more of, than that? And they yeah, it's a lot more than that because a lot of them have never come out. They never will come out. A lot of them are in progress. It's really in the hundreds. Now, aside from the obvious, which is that you're witty and charming. Thank you. Why are you so sought after for documentaries? You, you said because you've been everywhere. But I mean, specifically, let's say I'm making a documentary about a celebrity from the 70s. Why Michael Musto? I had that recently where Persis Kambata is now the subject of a fucking documentary. No idea the, who that the is. The bald Indian woman from the first Star Trek movie or one of the first Star Trek movies. Not even the series, just the movie. The movie. And there's a documentary being made about her. Yes, and they said, we know that you covered celebrity at the time, and we'd like you to provide context for her career. And I said, fine, because I'm a whore. Here I am, aren't I? And, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyone okay. says we want your opinion? I mean, look, it's partly uh, to explain why I agree with doing all these things. As a kid, nobody asked what I was thinking. I came from a loving but nonverbal household. Right. So years later, when everyone wanted my opinion, my head spun around. I was so excited. Oh, people want to know what I'm thinking. Right. And let's face it, even though I don't know anything about bald Indian people, I do know about celebrity. I do know about movies and showbiz. And also, I know about nightlife starting in the 70s. Studio 54 was one of my first clubs. Right. I know about politics because uh, and changes in New York City because I've been on every march protesting Giuliani, uh, then Occupy Wall Street. I've been on, you know... Act women's up. act up women's marches anti-war in iraq uh black lives matter 
I've been there. I'm not just sitting at home, like, reading about it. Have you ever said no when they've asked you to? Like, have you ever said, I really don't know anything about this, and I don't have any authority to speak on it? Yes, there are times when I'll just say, this isn't a good fit. There are times when they realize it isn't a good fit. Uh, once they were doing some show about Jane Mansfield, and they said, well, you wrote her movie, Single Room Furnished. And I was like, no, that was another Michael Musto. Oh, really? <laughs> Before my time. I mean, I was... You know, not of age to write a movie at that point. <laughs> yeah, in the early 60s when you were, like, what, five? Thank you. And um, But I was, still was willing to do it because I would love to talk about Jay Mansfield, but they said no. But there are other times when I just say, no, this isn't a good match. And I'm getting, if you read the article in The Village Voice, I'm increasingly becoming disoriented with doing any documentary because, A, it doesn't pay, B, you're at their mercy of, you know, they edit by blender and they edit by committee and they make you do so much advanced research. They want more and more of an interview. They want more and more input where you're practically consulting the documentary. And then you see it. There's one about Janet Jackson's uh, tit. And <laughs> a whole I, documentary. From what I hear, because I couldn't bear to watch it, I'm in it even less than her tit in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to talk about both those things. So I think people assume especially for someone like you who is so sought after, that you do receive some kind of enumeration. You, you never make money from these. Well, I've made a lot of money from TV, and I'm currently receiving a pension from SAG-AFTRA. Nice. As a result, I mean, starting in the 90s, I, in the 80s, I was on MTV and made money. In the 90s, I was on E! and made money on The Gossip Show. Sure. And there but are those many... were jobs. It's right. not a documentary. Jobs through the years. However, when you do these soundbite things, like on MSNBC or CNN, that doesn't pay because they have some way around paying where they say it's a news or entertainment or whatever. And they, they can't pay. They don't have to pay. Right. So they don't. But even when and documentaries don't pay. But even when you're a consultant, like when you're actually providing them with content that they're going to then use, not with your talking head, but just as facts in their documentary, you don't even get, get paid for that. No, and that's why right now I'm working with a production company to pitch my own documentary where I will get paid. I would get a, an appearance fee and I would get an archive fee. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You should. Now, the other thing you talked about, I've experienced a little bit because I've done some of those VH1 shows. Uh, I recently did this um, documentary that CNN produced about the Murdochs. And I sat in that chair for literally three hours and they wound up using 10 seconds of me. This is, the, to me, the most frustrating thing, and I can't imagine on your level doing it the number of times you have. I mean, it, when, when, you, when you sit down to watch it. I'm so happy to hear that, not because of what you went through, but <laughs> now I know I'm not the only one. I mean, you invest so much time, and it's really not rewarding. And you know that you have witty, interesting, informed things to say. So when you see who did make the cut and wound up being in it a lot, you're like, really? That's what they picked over me? Like, you, what did you just call it, a blender? Or, or yeah. A, it is so and random. You feel almost like they're using you for B-roll. Like, mm. we want two hours of this interview just in case we get desperate. Uh, there was one that I did for an ABC special about the Oscars before the Oscars were on one year. And I gave a long, lengthy, and very informed interview about the Oscars through the years with a lot of information. And they had sent a lot of research, which I didn't even need because no one knows Oscars like me. They used two sound bites. Of, of mine. One was Warren Beatty is Shirley MacLaine's brother. <laughs> okay, that's like saying breaking, water is wet. And the other one that Michael Douglas is from an acting clan. <laughs> I, could have not, I could have done these literally in my sleep. And meanwhile, I'm again, going back to this, I'm sure they used the content that you gave them in your interviews as part of the narration or the voiceover, or they had other people say those things. So it's like your information is being used, but you're not getting the credit for it. It's yeah. so frustrating. And I'm starting to think maybe if I did say, look, you pay me blank amount and I'll do it, maybe they would come through with the money. Because a lot of these documentaries do need me. Yeah. The first time I was on Best Week Ever, uh, I sat for several hours and I, I really prepare as I'm sure you do. I have like jokes and anecdotes and whatever. And here's what they used of me. The stakes are so much higher on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That was the whole thing. And, and they, I, cut, I, they cut to a picture of stakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know how many people I told I was going to be on Best Week Ever? So watch. I've learned not to do that. Oh, it's so embarrassing. 
Of all the films you have done, is there one or two documentaries that you really are proud of being in that you, you think are just high quality? There was a series that was on FX last year called Pride, and it was the history of the modern queer movement. It was wonderful. And I was on the 80s segment, and I was talking mostly about Nelson Sullivan, who was my friend who was a late video videographer who really documented everything in the club scene in the 80s and beyond the club scene. And they used a lot of what I said. I was integral to the segment. I also, in the process, talk, talked about the rise of AIDS. I talked about changes in the East Village. And I thought the whole series was beautifully done. Yeah. yeah, And, I mean, and very inclusive. And then it's worthwhile. Because yeah. a, a, it's a good product. B, you're, you're in it. <laughs> I didn't I mean, waste my time. I didn't it. waste my time. And it was a tribute to Nelson. It was beautiful. And there was actually, I talk about this in the article, a Dutch producer wanted to do a whole documentary about Nelson. And he was even going to pay, and I ended up turning it down. So I, I'm not just a whore for money. Uh, sometimes I'll just not do it for whatever reason. And in this case, I don't know if it was the language barrier or just communication troubles, but our first meeting, he didn't mention Nelson at all. He mentioned another documentary he did about Syrian refugees. And I kept saying, well, what about Nelson? And he wouldn't go there. And I'm like, something is fishy with this. Then he booked me for the documentary, and I did it. And then it turned out, Oh, that wasn't the documentary. That was a pitch. Right. You talk about this in the article about how there was a bait and switch that went on. Yeah, and I think he was well-intentioned, just didn't know how to communicate. So eventually when he came around to, okay, we're going forward, we're green-lighted, I was like, well, I've already been on FX at this point, and now I'm pitching my own documentary. I don't want to do this even for money. All right, so the obvious question is, when is the documentary about Michael Musto going to come out? Well, as I said, I'm pitching it now, so it, it takes time. Because you're definitely as famous or more famous than some of the subjects that you have uh, <laughs> testified about in, in all these documentaries, right? Thank you. Surely well, you're worthy yeah, by I mean, now. There was one time I was on a, – a photographers uh, saw, uh, were, were covering a red carpet, and they're like, Michael, Michael, get on the red carpet. And I took pictures. They were taking more pictures of me than the stars there. Right. And the publicist got angry. She's like, what are you doing on my red carpet? And I was like, because the photographers asked me, and I'm bigger than the fucking stars that you invited. <laughs> but usually I'm happy to be in my humble role of a reporter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's time for my documentary just because of all I've seen. I've seen the rise of RuPaul. I've seen the rise of Trump. I was there for all of it. You've been a witness to history. And unlike so many other gay men of your generation, you've survived. You know, you live to tell the tale. And I think that's really important as well. I've now been through nine plagues. Um, five. Are you getting ready for monkeypox? I've got it already. <laughs> I'm always a trendsetter. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I'm ready to spread it. No, um, am I ready for monkeypox? I'm willing to stick my fucking arm out and get one more vaccine. My arm is like cheesecloth at this point. And now I'm old enough where you have to get shingle shots, too. Oh, I got those, too. Yeah. Why? Because I turned 50. And they tell you at 50, you should go get the shingles <laughs> vaccines. Well, I'm 47, but I'll get it anyway. <laughs> Why that, is that funny? That timeline does not work at all. <laughs> you were in the Andre Leon Talley documentary that I watched. No, no, recently. absolutely not. No? no? We did not care for each other. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard the inside stories of, uh, you know, he always played a victim, and I know there's racism at Condé Nast. That's no question. But he also took advantage. He handed in expense reports like you would not believe. Uh, he once had Johnny Cochran write a letter to Anna Winter demanding that she pay for his hotel rooms in uh, Europe that were not authorized, and she paid. Oh, this and is then he tea. writes a book. Oh, here's some tea, yes. And then she, he writes a book, you know, trashing her. Um, believe me, there were problems with Anna Winter, but she enabled him over and over again. This should have been in the documentary. That's the other thing. These documentaries don't tell the whole story. There's one nightlife documentary where they get the whole chronology wrong. And I told the director, this is wrong, the, the chronology of my reporting. And he goes, I'm a documentarian. I don't care about exact chronology. Oh, my God. And I was like, that's not wow. a documentarian. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. So I have to ask you about your least favorite subject to talk about because <laughs> the last time we had you on the show was November of 2020. So it was right before Michael Alec died of a drug overdose on Christmas. Um, you know, as the person who broke all of those stories, about, for those of you who are listening who don't know, Michael Alec is the infamous uh, club kid murderer who, with his roommate, murdered Angel Melendez, and Michael Musto was instrumental in telling that story um, at the time. I'm sure you had complicated feelings when you heard that he died. 
No. <laughs> it's like, good riddance, maybe we should dump his river in the Hudson like Angel Melendez. Really? Uh, by that point, yeah. I mean, mainly because he had done his time, yes, and everyone deserves another chance if you've done your time, I suppose. But when I did give him another chance, he was pretty much the same person. A sociopath. He was on drugs, yeah, talking about his own press, rewriting history, saying the Drano was made up, and World of Wonder told me to use the Drano story, it made better copy, and all this stuff. And I was like, he hasn't changed at all. And um, by the way, my next column in QueerTea.com, where I do a monthly column, uh, is going to be about Daniel Oster. He's the son, he was the son of Paul Oster, the author. Yes. And Daniel was the fourth person in the apartment when the murder happened. And I'm going to have some very interesting tea about what he knew, what he may have done. And, of course, you might know this, that last year his baby, 10-month-old baby, died of fentanyl and heroin. Mm. Oh, God. And then this April, Daniel himself died of an accidental overdose. God. So Everyone he needs to be bigger in the story. Has met a terrible end. Is Freeze still alive? Freeze actually went, ended up going to school and seems to have been pretty together. He doesn't make headlines, thank God. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I had a strange reaction. I'm uh, clearly not as close to the story as you were. Uh, I kind of was sad when I found out that he died only because he was a creative person, right? And, and had great humor. And I thought, okay, uh, he served his sentence. He was, you know, very addicted to drugs at the time of the murder. Some of the facts are a little murky. Who knows what the intent was? I thought maybe this person can redeem himself. And the Absolutely. fact that he died so shortly after serving this 20-year sentence in prison, it just seemed like such a waste to me. And I'll admit we did uh, an independent movie that we were both in together. Um, and we had the old rapport back. Like, we had the old banter. What back. was the movie? Uh, Vampikers, part three, Tresses. And um, he was trying to raise my hackles like he always did. He was always trying to get me riled up. And right. he, he goes, look at this... Uh, look at these DVDs I'm watching. And it was like toolbox murders and all these murder movies. He thought that was so funny. And I was like, ugh. It's a twisted soul. But beyond that, when we did our scene, the old chemistry came back for a moment. And I thought there is hope for him. But then I heard that he was back on the drugs big time. Yeah. If nothing else, I hope that it, it brought the family of Angel Melendez some peace. Yeah, I've been trying to reach the brother. If anyone knows how I can, please let me know. Angel's brother. All right, Michael, in the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite game, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. Why do you hate dogs? No, I'm just kidding. That's not <laughs> um, which person most deserves a documentary but hasn't had one yet? I don't think there's been a great one about my favorite celebrity, Diana Ross. Mm. Oh. She's always been number one for me. Uh, she's dazzling. She bleeds sequins. And she also has the pathos, as she proved in Lady Sings the Blues. Yes. And has an incredible story. And the story is not Dreamgirls, people. Dreamgirls is fictional. Right. It's fictional. Do you think it did Flo her... Flo was never that fat. Do you, <laughs> do, do you think it, it Dreamgirls did a disservice to Diana Ross's legend? Well, I mean, especially in the new version where they add Listen as a love duet between uh, Dina and Effie, like a, a chick bonding duet. Yeah. It makes Dina look great, the Diana Ross character. She doesn't come off in the new version as cold-hearted at all. Right. I was screaming when I saw it at the Apollo when they did that duet. The New York Times said it was cheap, but they added that as a chick bonding duet after Effie's trying to rebuild herself after being thrown out of the group. Effie is the flow character. At the time of the original Dreamgirls, I should be talking to a documentary camera exactly, right now so yeah. they can cut this. Um, <laughs> Diana Ross was not happy. She said, my life is not an open book. And I get it. They right. made a musical about the Supremes. But people have to remember, it's not really about the Supremes. Right, it's based on. Even the music doesn't sound like Motown. Michael, this episode is coming out uh, the Sunday of New York Pride. So what, what's your favorite thing and least favorite thing about Pride? Oh, my, my least favorite are the corporations who crap on gay people every day of the year except one. And then they're like, we love gay yeah, people. We talked, Give us your gay money. We just talked about that. My favorite is just seeing the whole community because you're seeing everything. I want to see go-go boys. I want to see topless lesbians. I want to see muscle queens, bears, trans, bi, everybody. Yeah. And they're out in full force. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful celebration of our queerness and our diversity. 
All right, I'm going to give you an F. Mary Kill, and this is a Michael edition. So your choices are Michael Yuri, Michael Phelps, and Michael Caine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd have to marry Michael Yuri because we've worked together. He's so delightful. Yes. I would fuck Michael Phelps. Absolutely. And I think he'd like it. And <laughs> I, why would I kill Michael Caine? I guess because he gave trans people a bad name and dressed to kill. Yes. yes. And also, he's yes. at the, he's a at taste the, of your own medicine. He's at the end of his life anyway. He's had a good run. <laughs> oh, thank you, Republican person. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Old people don't matter. No need to get vaccinated. Um, what do you have on your nightstand at the moment? Mine, uh, was, <laughs> I can't even tell a bad joke. Mine comp by Hitler. Oh, no, that's Trump's <laughs> nightstands. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, really, my Bible is Valley of the Dolls by Jacqueline Suzanne. Is that literally on your nightstand? I don't have a nightstand. No? Where do you Nobody put your, reads Where do you put a glass anymore? of water? I don't drink water. Oh, my God. I can't go to sleep without a glass of water next to me. That's good. You have you, no nightstand. So you've been to rehab. Uh, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Next week. Um, what, what's the, who's the funniest celebrity you've ever met? Just Joan naturally Rivers. funny. Joan Rivers. Yes. Yeah. And, and her gift was making you feel like you were the funniest one in the room. Yes. That was something she learned, I think, coming up. It's hard for women, obviously, in the male-dominated comedy field. And she kind of learned to stroke people, and she'd tell me I was funny. I'm like, come on, Joan. Well, you are funny, but yeah, I... Yeah, I'm I, funny, but she was funny. I agree, having met her a few times and, and gotten to know her a little bit. Um, Joan had a warmth about her that is not very common among comedians. Most comedians are really angry and can be assholes when they're not on stage. And Joan seemed to uh, really delight in other people. Didn't, didn't you find? Well, or at her, least she acted uh, like The it. anger came out in her humor. That's right. You know, and she would attack people. Some of the jokes we can't really get behind today, the fat shaming of Liz Taylor and stuff like that is not cute. and would never fly today. But you're right. She was a warm and professional person. Like me, I'm actually kind of a nice guy and I'm professional and reliable, but I get my anger out of my writing. Right. Yeah, and I think, I mean, listen, standards have changed. I don't think Joan ever thought she was hurting anyone with her comedy. And I think if she had known that, or, and maybe she was or maybe she wasn't, but if someone had, if Liz Taylor had reached out to her and said, it's hurtful, these jokes you're telling, I think she would have stopped, don't you? How could you not think you're hurting Liz Taylor by calling her fat over and over again? But there, I read Liz Taylor's memoir, and Joan went up to her at an event and wanted to, like, to schmooze, and Liz was like, are you kidding? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. But there was one joke that Joan made about Willie Nelson's daughter being hairy or something like that. And the girl got bullied at school. And the second Joan heard that, she dropped the joke. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was a basic humanity about her. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she did have a thing about fat people. Like, let's be honest. She was, she was herself obsessive about her you yeah, know, having I mean, to be she stick thin at all times. And uh, I'm sure Melissa, uh, that was a hard thing for Melissa to grow up But with. she's one of the greatest celebrities I ever met. And she's definitely the funniest person I ever met. Who's your favorite porn star? I don't even know if you're if you like oh, porn. Oh, I'm not up to the current ones. My favorite old one was Joey Stefano. Oh, the famous bottom. Yeah, he even put like a Heineken bottle up his ass at, at a nightclub, and I called it a Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, but he, he was hot. I mean, he was troubled, but super hot. I heard he once sat down on a traffic cone at a, at a live accidentally, show. but just <laughs> left it there. <laughs> he didn't even know it was there. Well, his best film was Tijuana Toilet Tramps. Let's face it. What is that? It's exactly what it sounds like. Tijuana Toilet Tramps is a yeah. person? No, that's his fa his best movie. Oh, my God. I never <laughs> even heard of that. He had the, uh, he had an actual memoir written about him by um, by uh, Charles Isherwood. Yeah, before Charles uh, was the theater critic at the Times. And actually, I was interviewed for a documentary about Joey Stefano, which never came out. So I wasted more time. That's a shame. Yeah, he was a – do you guys know who that is? Mm -hmm. He was a very famous bottom in the He 80s. had interesting revelations about David Geffen. Let's just say that. Right. I was there when hey he now. told it to the Closet Case show, which was a public access show. Morty. Michael, <laughs> what's the best advice your mother ever gave you? <laughs> oh, my God. Stop talking. She didn't really give me advice. Um, she didn't even teach me how to wash a dish. But really, I, I learned it wasn't so much what she said, but I learned from her perseverance. Because even after she had a mild stroke, she was scrubbing and cleaning. She was the best house homemaker in the world and the best Italian cook in America. Mm. So I learned the perseverance. She was unstoppable, and so am, so am I. That's beautiful. How can people follow you online, Michael Musto? Uh, you follow me on Facebook, and you and uh, you 
if I, I don't have room for friends there, but you can follow me or also go to my fan page. And I'm also on Instagram as Musto184. And we can read all your articles in the Village Voice and Queer Tea and numerous other publications. Thank you for doing the show again. Steve and JB, plug yourselves. I am Cub Mexi on Instagram and Steve Cesaro Medina on Facebook. I am Stacking Anarchy 12, only on Instagram. We are back live again next week with fabulous comedian Julia Scotty. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank and on TikTok at adamsankofficial. Email me your dick pics at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches, and happy Pride. Happy Pride. Bye.